Welcome to the Shadow of the Valley, the show that explores how technology disrupts society. I'm your host, Tal Leeds. Join me as we navigate our rapidly shifting technological landscape. Together, we'll explore key concepts and seek clear insights. Join us as we cut through the distractions to find solutions to some of our toughest challenges. guest this episode is John King. John is the VP of Marketing Communications at Spark Cognition, a global leader in artificial intelligence based in Austin, Texas. Spark Cognition uses their award-winning machine learning technology to help customers in defense, finance, and many other industries. I can't overstate how complex general AI is. I mean, think about what, when you talk about general AI, you're talking about trying to create something that we fully don't understand yet. Together, we'll get an industry insider's view into artificial intelligence, what it is and what it isn't, how it works, whether or not it will take your job, and the opportunities and dangers they present in the near and long term. Of all the socially disruptive technologies out there, AI may be the biggest one of all. Let's begin. I hope they'll excuse the corny meme reference, but what if I told you that physicists and electrical engineers had little to do with the invention of the digital computer, that the real inventor was the economist Adam Smith? Well, those are the words of Nobel Prize winner Herbert Simon. In the 1950s, the Rand Corporation, a prominent Washington think tank, hired him as a consultant. He and his team were tasked with creating a computer program that would utilize human problem-solving tools. To do this, Simon and his team needed a system that would serve as their model. That model, not the human brain, but a corporation. Corporations need to make critical decisions based on any number of marketplace variables that are difficult to predict. So over time, they have developed all kinds of mathematical and logical formulas and matrices to help them make better decisions. Simon drew from these matrices and programmed them straight into the computer. So the result was this powerful tool for helping humans quickly make well-calculated rational decisions. These decision-making tools are at the core of the AI that we know today. But the connections between corporations, capitalism, and artificial intelligence go back much further. In fact, you could argue that Adam Smith's ideas from his classic book, The Wealth of Nations, considered the cornerstone of capitalist thinking, are built into the very design of the modern computer. It all traces back to a French civil engineer named Gaspard de Prony. Now, I apologize for my pronunciation on that. But just after the French Revolution, the National Assembly had a lot of land from the aristocrats they dethroned and no good way to measure it all. See, this was before measurements were standardized into what became the metric system, so different regions of France had different standard units. De Prony was called in to standardize those measurements and get a better assessment of the land. In those days, these kinds of calculations were left to computers, but not the kind of computers that you're thinking of. No, these were human computers, pretty much just a bunch of people, mostly women at the time, who were really good at math, stuck in a room, crunching numbers with pencil and paper. Deproni needed a way to manage all this mathematical labor in a way that would ensure it was completed quickly and accurately. So who better to turn to for advice on productivity and division of labor than Adam Smith? Following Smith's insights, Deproni divided his team up into three groups. One, to choose the formulas. A second, to define the values and figures to plug into those formulas. And a third, to actually crunch the numbers, the computers. All in all, this lengthy process took between 75 and 100 people, most of whom were the human computers. Several decades later, a English polymath by the name of Charles Babbage mechanizes the process with a machine that he designs called the Difference Engine. Through a sophisticated series of gears and cams and levers, a formula could be programmed into the machine and perfectly generate accurate results, which would then be printed on a piece of paper. 
This was the precursor to the computers that we know today, which brings us full circle to Herbert Seinman. If you boil it way down to its essence, today's AI is more or less a highly sophisticated version of Simon's corporate decision-making matrices. They're less a real intelligence and more like a series of formulas embedded with economic and institutional values. It's for this reason that David Runciman, a political scientist at the University of Cambridge, argues that, quote, to understand AI, we must first understand how it operates within the capitalist system in which it is embedded. This is because, quote, corporations are another form of artificial thinking machine in that they are designed to be capable of taking decisions for themselves. He continues to say that many of the fears that we have now about the coming age of intelligent robots are the same ones that they've had about corporations for hundreds of years. The worry is that these systems are ones that we've never really learned how to control. This story is the retelling of Johnny Penn's article in The Economist entitled AI Thinks Like a Corporation and That's Troubling. If you want a good introduction into the significance of artificial intelligence, I would suggest that you start there. This often overlooked historical lineage provides a far more nuanced take on AI than the typical narratives out of Hollywood or Silicon Valley. The killer robots or the AI overlords of Hollywood and sci-fi novels are not at all the same as the actual AI that we have here and now. In fact, no one can say with certainty that we will ever successfully create such a generalized artificial intelligence. Inventing these monsters to scare us distracts us from a more important conversation that we need to have. It's one about ethics, about what it means to be human and how we will protect those human aspects so we can evolve rather than destroy ourselves. These are powerful tools. They can do tremendous good or tremendous harm. Even interpreting what it's telling us can be tricky. If we're going to meet the challenges it presents, we've got to dig really deep, ask tough questions, and pay attention to all the nuances. Our guest this episode is John King. John's the VP of Marketing Communications at Spark Cognition, a global leader in artificial intelligence based in Austin, Texas. John has also served as the Director of Clean Energy and Power Technology at the Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce. A quick note on the show before we get started. Today's guest will be one of two consecutive guests with a background in artificial intelligence. AI is one of the most potentially disruptive trends of what's called the fourth industrial age. It's also one of the most misunderstood. Rather than trying to cram a lot of information into a single interview, I've decided to cover the topic twice, at least for now, but from different angles. There may be more like these sometime in the future, so if you have any thoughts or feedback on this format, please reach out to me through the reviews or on Twitter and let me know what you think. We're at Shadow Valley Pod over on Twitter, so come around, follow us, and say hi. All right, welcome, John. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thank you, you for having much. me. Yeah, glad to have you here. Um, so let's get people acquainted right away with um, just what you do with uh, Spark Cognition. Who? What is Spark Cognition? What do you guys do? Um, tell us a little bit about sure about yeah. AI and and how you guys help your clients with it. Sure. So Spark Cognition is an artificial intelligence company. We're based here in Austin, Texas. We're headquartered here. We were founded here. Amir Hussein's our founder. He's our CEO. And, you know, he set out back in 2013 to build a company that was really going to change the way that society operates. And so mm -hmm. what we focus on at Spark Cognition is really AI for the enterprise. Uh, but what we get to do every day when we go to work is we're, we're building artificial intelligence technologies that impact the most important aspects or interests of society. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Society is driven in large part by uh, a few really key critical industries, transportation, defense, power, right? These are, yeah. uh, you know, the sound waves that are being carried over 
the stereo right now that's you know there's a power component to it right. um if you're listening to this in a car there's a you know there's a transportation <laughs> component to that right, right. and then the of smart course, grid the 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 lights that how all that's controlled traffic control all that kind of stuff so we work with oil and gas companies we work with utilities we work with the defense department we work with the industries that are really driving society quite yeah. literally so like you mentioned transportation what's sure. what's give the uh, average listener like an idea of what of how that how is ai going to help transportation well i think that you know the way that folks are seeing it right now today is obviously in in auton and autonomy in their vehicles, autonomous right? vehicles autonomous vehicles so yeah. even if you have you know a certain level of cruise control uh, that kind of automatically stops and starts or breaks and you know uh, speeds up and slows down there's a aspect of artificial intelligence that's that's driving that but mm -hmm. what we do is we work on um, mainly aviation so transportation in the air which is really okay. exciting uh, we work with companies like Honeywell uh, uh -huh. work with companies like Boeing Boeing is a, a great partner of ours they're uh, a client a partner an investor and we actually just last week announced uh, a new joint venture called SkyGrid where we're building the platform of autonomy on which um, the future of air travel will be built. Right, yeah. So really laying down the foundations to have to make the, the future of air travel a reality, right? Because without those kinds of systems, you can't do it safely. Exactly. And you, you can't net, you know, you can't have like a million different people in the air and, and a million different air traffic controllers telling everyone what to do. There has to be some part of that that is uh, standardized and and perhaps somewhat on automated in order for it to be day-to-day -day functional so that not everybody needs to be like a super pilot that can do yeah, a million things at once. Exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, what you said, kind of that the foundation of that, right? And, right. and um, uh, we're, we're doing work with uh, Mitsubishi Hitachi Power Systems, uh, which is the largest turbine manufacturer in the, in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. And we're working with them to build the autonomous power plant. So the way that we get power now, I mean, imagine the the efficiency that you're gonna the efficiency gains that you'll see with an autonomous power plant. Mm -hmm. um, Explain a little bit about that because most people don't understand necessarily how a power plant would run. So you're talking about grid management, is that correct? No, we're actually talking about the power generation, right? Okay. So, yeah. So this is on the power generation side. Okay. Um, right now, a power plant is a very complex machine, um, but you know. If you break it down, there's millions and millions of parts, you know, hundreds or sometimes thousands of big pieces of equipment that are mm. in a power plant that are all, you know, being managed and coordinated by a combination of humans and software. Uh, now, the power sector itself is, is an aging um, industry, both with regards to the human capital, but also the uh, physical assets in mm -hmm. the industry. So, you know, how do we how do we modernize this industry without a complete revamp of that physical hardware. Now, some right. of it is physical upgrades, of course, but right. you know what Mark Andreessen famously says, uh, software is eating the world, right? And and our founder and CEO, Amir Hussein, talks about a lot about, well, you know, yes, yeah, software is eating the world and AI is eating software. What does that mean? Uh -huh. Well, that means AI is, you know, one, the, the first part of that statement is that um, atoms are being replaced by bits. Right. So, okay. so, um, you know, you can take, if you look at the, the components of a combustion, um, engine versus an electric engine, you've shrunk that engine down and, and, and the, so much of that electric engine is being driven by software. Right. So right. it's literally, it's literally yeah. shrinking the physical. Yeah. They say like the, the Teslas are basically laptops on wheels. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you have these giant, um, uh, power plants with giant equipment that mm -hmm. that are just constantly churning out tons and tons of electricity for all of us to use yeah right a lot of these are aging equipment right then maybe got built back you know after the depression or something yeah, in some yeah. cases and a lot of them running on coal or what have you and um and they need to be tracked right because every single element every piece of equipment needs to uh needs to be running smoothly in order for the the energy generation to be constant and fluid right yeah so there's a lot to track there and and is that is that where the ai is coming in yeah so it comes in kind of on on every level from you know one there's there's the hardware we don't do hardware and then there's the data collection 
and yeah. that's that's left up to you know companies uh, like National Instruments that build the sensors and and parts that go on okay. the power generating equipment. So this could be and, like getting getting data from like a industrial and uh, Internet of Things sort of. Uh, collection. Yeah, system. that's that's kind of the first step, right? Yeah. And so, once that data is collected, once it's stored, um, we have technology that'll go in and it'll cleanse that data, it'll organize the data. We can use structured or unstructured data, which there's you know differences in the way you process both, and there's challenges with with um, with processing different types of data. But uh, so we've got you know f first goes technology that will uh, kind of cleanse and and process and organize that data. Uh, we have technology that will automatically build models based off of the the data that's coming in, but with the inputs of you know what what problems you're trying to solve, what questions you're trying to get answered. Um, so, so you can have a question about what's going on in the plant, and the the and and you can model the the answers, right? You can get different different choices of like, well, it could go this way, it can go this way, it could go this way. Exactly. You can make a decision based on that exactly and and our technology actually you know builds those models automatically mm -hmm. um and then we have technology that does predictive analytics so we're we're then using those models to predict if if that's the problem set right you want to predict failure on uh, a piece of equipment uh, we have technology that that predicts you know what's going to happen yeah uh, on the equipment then you know one of the most important parts of it is the security of it right? right you have to be able to secure these critical assets i mean um you know the just the public information that's out there about how many cyber attacks are occurring at any given time on critical infrastructures i mean it, it's scary right you know it's, it's scary and that's and this, just and this the is stuff happening that's public. on a, that's just the stuff that's public imagine what's really happening behind the scenes absolutely. that we don't hear about i know? mean there's 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 um it, attacks on infrastructure all the time yeah right uh from from foreign powers and sometimes it's not even to shut things down it's just to be in there and say we we're in there yeah yeah <laughs> um and uh so you guys are are working on on ways to to keep that secure so that um we're not compromised by by foreign foreign um nation states and yeah so on. yeah yeah uh, we're building technology to kind of that that brings a level of intelligence to industrial operations and processes but at a large scale okay yeah very yeah that's that's so it's that's a big undertaking yeah it's a yeah. it's a huge undertaking i think that's you know that's one of the things that spark cognition that we uh that we really focus on is look we set out to solve problems that have up until this point been unsolvable they're really hard problems these yeah. are really really hard problems to solve and uh we're building technology that's enabling us to solve these these big problems okay so that's i think that's a, a great segue into the big question here which is what wh so what exactly is this technology right what what is ai doing so we hear all these different um use cases that you guys are, are um, producing for your clients. So what, at the end of the day, if you break it down to like its most basic elements, what, what is artificial intelligence? Can you do, can you break that down for us? When I boil it down, it is technology uh, that can learn and improve. Software then. Software. So com Hyper-complex software that that adapts and improves yes mm -hmm. yeah in the public mindset <clears throat> in the public mindset we have um a good history of depictions of artificial intelligence in movies literature etc mm -hmm. so you have your skynet from from terminator you have war games which came out all the way back in the 80s yeah right and and a lot of things since right it's it's evolved a lot as, as the technology has uh, evolved. But there's this sense that the artificial intelligence is somehow um, akin to uh, human intelligence, or at least that's the, the goal, right? Or that's the kind of dream. For some people, yeah. For, for some yeah, people, yeah. right. So is that is that what we're talking about with the kinds of things that you're doing now? And if not, 
what 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 is the difference between that image that we have of AI and sure. what and what's happening now? Sure. So I I think the you know the delineation uh, I guess is described as really you know the difference between general AI and narrow AI. Yeah. Right? And um, general AI is this idea of kind of that human like intelligence that mm -hmm. can that can um, have complex thought and, and be creative. And, you know, there's kind of this, the, these layers of complexity to it that, that even when we look at kind of modern neuroscience, we, we haven't figured, we haven't even come close to figuring it all out. Right. right from a human perspective. Right. There are aspects of what we're doing that, you know, are absolutely kind of contributing or getting us closer to general AI. But I can't overstate how complex general AI is. I mean, think yeah. about what, when you talk about general AI, you're talking about trying to create something that we fully don't understand yet. Right. right. So, so uh, meaning the human mind, the right? human mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you say, is that what we're working on? No, right. Uh, we are working on, on solving really challenging, uh, problems for industry for defense for aviation aerospace finance mm -hmm. um, that were up until this point unsolvable okay. now there they are complex problems it takes complex technology the solutions are complex um, but we would categorize those as narrow ai right that our technology is really good it's solving specific problems or specific problem sets. Okay. Right. And so, but if you took our artificial intelligence, or really any artificial intelligence, for example, if you, um, let's say if you took our predictive analytics and tried to um, have that technology paint a picture, it's not going to work. Right. Right. But there's AI now that does paint. Now, if you took that artificial intelligence and tried to get it to predict failure on, you know, a $300 million gas turbine or, or set of turbines, it's not going to, it's not going to be you able to do, do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, so it's, it's hyper, so that's narrow AI and that's what you guys work on. Right. So the narrow AI is like deep blue back in, in the nineties, the, the IBM computer that defeated Gary Kasparov or, um, uh, AlphaGo, which yeah. recently mastered the game of Go and yeah. beat the, the the world grandmaster, um, they have extremely limited uh, uh, cases, right? And they're and they're defined problems, yeah. right? I mean, here's in, in even AlphaGo. So look, if you took that specific algorithm or those sets of algorithms that that were able to win at Go, right? Mm -hmm. um, they could not be that technology could not beat you at monopoly right right so so you <laughs> right. would still have to retrain you know so it's incredibly good at go yeah terrible at monopoly yeah exactly yeah. so we're focused on those really complex industrial problems and um it's it's really exciting to be part of that because you know my my background i came from the clean energy world and these are hard problems that we're trying to solve and they're really important to society they're really important i mean how do you power society how do you transport society how do you keep society safe these are huge challenges and so we are chipping away at these big challenges and in um a really impactful i mean this is having a real impact on yeah. on the folks we're working with um but yeah the you know getting to general ai there are absolutely predictions there are folks that say oh we're 20 years out or 50 years out or 100 years out look you know their guess is probably better than mine because because they spend their days thinking about this yeah but uh my hypothesis is i don't know that we can create something that we don't even yet fully understand mm -hmm. yeah right so yeah. You know, if once, 
we get to the point where we fully understand the human mind, <laughs> then, that then maybe happen. we got a right, shot, yeah. right? Right. Now yeah. that doesn't mean we we can't get close. It doesn't mean we can't get get something that looks like it. We can't, that doesn't mean we can't get something that that reasons pretty closely to it. Yeah. I mean, um, but you know, true AGI is uh, you know. How, how do you build again? It's still fi- it's, yeah, yeah, it's still science fiction. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're telling the public about AI all the time. What are some of the, what are some other like big misconceptions that you that you run into? So, I think that's the biggest misconception is this idea that AI is going to take up the world. Right. right. Yeah. Some of the biggest misconceptions that that I think about a lot are, and these are misconceptions that have really been educated about over the last four years i've been with the company but um this idea that uh ai is going to create more jobs you know really quickly i i you know this is actually something that i've spent a lot of time um listening to and and talking with our founder and ceo amir about the issue of jobs the issue of jobs right yeah and um you know a lot of times people want to say oh but yeah we'll lose some jobs but we'll create more and I don't know that that's the case and it might be right because mm. if you look at you know what computers did or what the internet did is of course they created more jobs and and I think in some ways uh AI can create more jobs but I think it's going to be different in the sense that you know automation is dis- has already displaced a lot of jobs Right. Um, and one example that we talk about, that we use a lot, and I think a lot of people talk about is um, drivers, right? Whether you're yeah. talking about truck drivers or the gig economy. Yeah. Um, we are not far away from autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, are so if you if you say okay, there's you know five million truck drivers in the U.S. Um, we can retrain them, or there'll be more jobs that'll be created. Uh, because of the technology, sure. And we know, for example, there's a huge shortage of computer scientists and data scientists and you know um, technical jobs. Right. In any major city that you go to, there's a yeah. huge shortage of uh, technical skill sets. Right. So right. sure, we know that. But what happens to those, you know, five million truck drivers that get displaced from autonomous vehicles that are more right. efficient, more effective, safer? They run 24-7, all those things, right? Um, or what happens to, um, you know, the factory workers that were building uh, cars or were building planes or were building, you know, parts to your refrigerator that are replaced through right. through by robots and, and it's automation. Not, it's, and it's not just skills, right? It's it's an identity that you that people build around their, their job and their, and their work, right? Because yeah, yeah. The, guy, the guy who you know, uh, drives a truck, right. Might not, um, might be, might be totally qualified and and smart to, and able to, to change, to, to become a computer scientist or, or, or some kind of programmer. Right. But that would require a very big change of of who they have conceived themselves to be up to that point. Right. So, so that that's kind of like a big ask for somebody mm-hmm. just to change jobs because the economy has changed and now they now they have to shift all that other stuff with them, right? Yeah, and so, you know some of these people might be 50, 60 years old or even forty years old. You know, how do you retrain a workforce even at twenty years old? You you're supposed to have finished school, right? And and of course, you know, there's those of us who who continuous learning is always we never stop, right? right. But but. But there's but there's different levels. Different, yeah, retraining yeah, is that's different. A different, different than, that's yeah. a different thing. So, um, but to your point, the, um, Amir actually talks about this in his book, uh, "The Sentient Machine," our identification with the work that we do. Yeah. And um, historically, it well at least for you know five six hundred years, we've we've even we've associated it so closely that our name that we're named after. Uh, you know, yeah. our, our names are actually what we do at some point, right? right so yeah. my name is John King. If you look at the, um, you know, the history of that name, King means that at some point I had an ancestor that was part of the king's court, mm-hmm. and that was their job. So they called that person, 
whatever his name was, you know, Tommy King, because right. it's Tommy, but Tommy's part of the King's court, so right. it's Tommy King. Or, um, right. or you shoemaker. Know, shoe, yeah, there you go, or, shoemaker, yeah. blacksmith, you know, smith, smith uh, farmer, right? Yeah. right? So um, uh, we, we identify heavily. And so uh, I actually think that, I actually think that this is kind of worth the we're at the onset of what's gonna be a forced shift in how we view what it means to be human, right? And and yeah. um, you know that we are we we're gonna have to kind of come to grips with this idea that we're human beings, not human doings. Mm. Um, uh, Amir has this passion, this passage in his book that talks about you know we're not humans because we can move boxes from, uh, you know, the back of a truck into, you know, shelving in a factory. We're yeah. humans because we we're, we can create, we can think, we can ideate, you know. And so um, now so this it, brings into question a it, whole it does, lot of yeah. other so things, it, it right? Means we but, have to, because our society is, is not it, yeah, set up that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a challenge. I mean, the so, the society challenge. we have, even from an educational perspective, was always kind of, uh, dependent on this idea that you would eventually work in a factory, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that—that's kind of the the general idea. There is like you're gonna learn specific things. You're gonna learn how to sit in a certain place for a long time, and then when the bell rings, you move to another place, right? Or yeah. um, and then you know you learn your specific craft, your your, your specific um, tiny piece of of, of knowledge where you're just the expert in that thing. So you can have a good division of labor and so on, and that's worked, right? That's worked yeah. for for the most of the 20th century and 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 a little bit longer. And but now, like that, that doesn't kind of hold up anymore, right? Or at least when you have a, a a society where those jobs are run by machines, then you and you need and humans need to are, are more valuable for their creative capacities. Yeah. Um, then it's like a whole new way of training that needs to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it affects everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. My personal belief is that that artificial intelligence will is the technology that will instigate um, this kind of personal spiritual reckoning, mm. where we're gonna have to really take a hard look at what it means to be a human being. I mean, I, you know, I, and the funny thing is I, I, I'm in the industry, I'm close to it, see a lot of different aspects to it, of it. Um, and I can say this and understand it intellectually, but every day I'm stressing about, am I doing enough? Is what I'm doing good enough? Is the work that I'm doing, um, good enough is you know i'm tying my value to the work that i do and so yeah. it's so it, it is actually a this it is ingrained in us as human beings i think yeah. um and so for better for worse and i think for better tech you know artificial intelligence is a technology which will kind of force us as human beings to evolve in a way that we have yet to have ex to have had to experience interesting yeah that's that's really fascinating hearing that come from somebody who is who's working in the industry right now and and um so let's let's go into that a little bit more so um the, the ais that were that were programming right you we mentioned like autonomous vehicles earlier right so there there's one area where um you know even our our morality is is really in, in, put into a dilemma with mm -hmm. the um uh in in the form of the classic trolley problem yeah right um the 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 classic trolley problem is there's there's uh two tracks and a trolley is coming down there and it, and there's a person at the switch that can switch the the trolley to one track or the other and um the, on on you know you you put different people on different tracks and the question is always okay which track do you send it down and um, there's a version of this going on right now um that on, on the internet there's a it's called the moral machine it's put out by by mit and it's basically a test where you can 
run a bunch of trolley problems and it says okay who should die is it like you know the old lady or the baby mm -hmm. um is it the the criminal or the you know the law-abiding citizen right like yeah. it goes through all these different um all these different scenarios to get an idea of what your values are yeah and all these are going to end up being programmed into autonomous vehicles because right? yeah. they're going to have to make these kinds of just life or death decisions at certain points yeah um, and it brings up a whole different like element to ethics where ethics has, is going to ethics and philosophy are going to have life or death consequences. Yeah. Right. Depending on, on what we, we choose. So where, where do you, where do you think that, that, that conversation should be taking place? Is it, is it something that needs to happen within the AI, AI, AI industry? Is it something that governments need to decide and regulate? Is it something that individual users need to program into the machines that they use? Man. That, I mean, that's a big question. I don't know that I'm even qualified to answer sure, that. Yeah. Right? I mean, so I'll give you my personal thoughts, yeah, right? Sure. So I think that there are ethicists and philosophers that spend a lot of, that spend their time thinking about this, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that they should be working with industry leaders and policymakers to figure out what the best solution is for now. But the reality is, you know, accidents will happen. Um, we'll learn from those accidents. Hopefully we will improve. And at a certain point, if it gets out of alignment with, you know, the values of society, then society, you know, should force changes, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know how to answer the specific question of, you know, how do we program it in and should it be the old lady or the baby? <laughs> Cause right there's, yeah. there's a lot of, there's these, these questions are so big and there's the hard part is there's no right or wrong yeah. on this. Right. So like so, it almost, it almost seems like if you, the only wrong answer would be to say that there's one right answer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so think about this problem. Say you're on, um, uh, you're on a raft with, uh, your mother, your wife, and your child. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah? So you've heard this one? Uh, yeah, the one, who do you save? Who do you and, save, yeah. right? And so you have enough energy to swim one person uh, to safety. Yeah. And by the time you get back, the raft will have sunk. Right. So who do you save? Your child, your wife, or your or your mother, or your child, your partner, and your, and your mother. Right. You know, and so people say, well, you you save the child they you know they haven't had a chance to live their life or others say mm -hmm. well you save your wife you can you know you'll have more children and you know that's your partner in life um uh or um very few people say will save your mother because your mother's lived a longer life than everyone else right uh -huh. but the you know then the the classroom answer is well you can always have another child you can always have another partner but you're only ever going to have one mother. So you save right. your mother. Right. And yeah. so like, is that the right or the wrong answer? I don't, it, you know, these things are, are, um, are challenging, but I think that, so I think to actually answer your question, yeah, look, ethicists, philosophers, industry leaders, um, lawmakers yeah. need to get together, but there has to be some level of public input. Now, the thing is it's really hard to get public input at scale. Right. right. So, uh, you can network, you can network some feedback, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, typically what happens is trial and error. Sure. <laughs> that, sure. But there's also, I guess the, 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 the part that complicates it is how complicated the, the, the AIs are to begin with. Right. I mean, they're, they're as it is, as you said, right? yeah. they're invented to solve some of the most wicked problems that we have. Right. Yeah. Some yeah. of the, the toughest challenges. Um, but if the average person or even the average data scientist or the average, you know, art, artificial intelligence, uh, AI scientist doesn't always understand what's happening. How can we expect everyone to understand that? Right. Yeah. Like there, there's kind of that dilemma too. Right. Kind of the black box of, yeah, yeah the black box. Yeah. Right. And then, right. Of course, like yeah. every, every company is going to want to have their own, uh, protections on that. Cause that's intellectual mm -hmm. property. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we're, we're actually working on, um, uh, some explainable AI technology. So mm. it's, a, cause it's important that, you know, the fact is if, if, um, 
in an hour, I'm putting back my my spark cognition hat. I was, of course, yeah. I was talking as independent <laughs> John King. Now I'm putting my spark cognition hat back on. But of course, um, we're working on that because it's an important it's an important issue, right? If you are pinging the operation the operating crew on an offshore rig, or you know the op- the operating crew at a at a utility, or you know um, um, maintenance crew for airplane, and you're telling them, hey this problem is about to occur or it's occurred or it will, you know, it will occur in the future and you have to fix it. And here's the ways that you fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they don't just want to take that at face value, right? right. Then you go, well, why, how did you come to the conclusion? Yes. There needs that, to be a trail. A yeah. So trail. what's the, yeah. how did you get to the conclusion that this problem will occur? And how did you get to the conclusion that this is the best remediation path? Right. to fix the problem and so we're working and, and we've actually deployed some of this um, uh, um, but we're working on explainable AI to where we have confidence levels built in we say and some of this is already built into the technology actually where yeah. we say you know we came up we came to this answer because you know X Y and Z documents say so and you tie it all back together right right and then there's a feedback loop where the operator can uh, almost kind of like your Pandora thumbs up thumbs down can give feedback and that's where our that's where the program is is learning over time right so okay yeah because that 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 is a a, i'm glad you brought that up because there was a a, another question i was going to ask you and maybe this is the answer to it but um going back to the AlphaGo uh example Mm -hmm. there was a comment uh from the other go masters in in the in the audience watching it uh, watching the match, and they noticed that there were certain moves that were made by the AI that were totally puzzling, or yeah. just like not human moves. Like no human being would conceive of thinking to do that. Yeah, uh, it's almost kind of like bewildering, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, the the AI won the game. So, so obviously there was there it it accomplished what it was set up to do, but the process of getting there made a leap that kind of was was counterintuitive yeah. to master go players yeah um so the worry is that if if we're applying this to say you know entire economies and we're telling like different people to send resources to different places at a certain point it might be it, 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 if there isn't a trail like that if there isn't some sort of check on it um we it might be difficult to discern why we're doing these different things that the ai is telling us to do yeah yeah do you think that um, that that is the answer to to solving that problem? To just having that paper trail is that gonna is that gonna take care of that, or um, is there some sort of requirement that that whatever answers the AI is giving that there's a whole reasoning behind it and there's 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 something that that humans can check on, yeah, yeah. Um, in order to make sure that that it's giving a useful human answer, human and humane answer. Look, I think I think explainability is really important, and it's going to become really, really important uh, when we get to these ethical questions. Whether you're talking yeah. about, you know, um, robots in a factory where there have already been accidents, right, where mm-hmm. um, uh, that have resulted in human casualties, whether it's um, uh, autonomy uh, in vehicles where there's also been uh, human casualties, whether you're talking about the application of AI and and in warfare, right? I mean, right. explainability is extremely important. It's something that, that Spark Cognition has been focused on um, for a while now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's critical. I think it's a critical aspect of, of making sure that you have um, effective, uh, that you have an effective technology. You know, why, right. why is, why are we doing what we're doing or why is, you know, why is this uh, technology telling me to do, you know, X, Y, or Z? Right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, kind of going back to the, to the morality question too, um, you know, programming in at least a, I mean, everything's going to be a set of rules, right? So like, so, um, y- you know, first First thing is avoid all harm to any human. Crash into a wall, right? Then, so there's like these choices that we're gonna have to look at to say, like, what you know, what are the, um, what's the order of 
a priority yeah. for yeah 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 and that's going to be the big the big ethical yeah. thing the and, other... and then you're going to have to be able to go go into the you know into the actual black box and say okay why did why did this robot or algorithm choose make the choices it did or, or how did it you know um to why did it take the actions it did right right and um i guess the other piece too which again is super speculative you might not i don't know if anyone's qualified to answer this but there is the issue of culpability right so you you did mention warfare and that is something that um you guys are working on uh with the dod um you know if you have a, an autonomous weapon right like well who's responsible for the kill right <laughs> or if you have an autonomous vehicle and something goes wrong like who is culpable yeah. for for the damages yeah um when you have ai in there it's a it's a much more complicated uh situation i don't expect you to have the answer to all that <laughs> but but perhaps there's um some thoughts you have on there if there's anything that that you guys at spark cognition think about when when faced with the, that issue no i mean I'll, you know from the spark cognition perspective i'm i uh i'll kind of defer that question <laughs> um sure uh you know i think that's something that look as a society we've we have yet to figure out because how, how do you prosecute a robot or an algorithm if a robot or autonomous vehicle makes a mistake it's going to be because something that someone didn't think of or some situation that was outside the, the training data set ha happened and the algorithm didn't know how to respond because it had never been trained on that situation, right? So, so even there at that point, um, you know, who, who is responsible for that? The person who made a mistake, right? I mean, like, sure, we, we have, you know, car company makes a mistake you have a recall um worst case scenario and, and god forbid uh individuals get injured there are lawsuits and money is paid out um, from that car company to the individuals or their families or whatever um maybe it's something like that right mm -hmm. where there there is a degree of if there was some sort of negligence in the programming of, yeah. of this then yeah there's some culpability on whatever the entity or organization that was building uh, that technology. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm not in a position cause yeah. I'm not a legal scholar, of course, I'm not, yeah. but, but you know, my personal thoughts are just that there's gotta be some level of degree of culpability at some point, but I think it's, it has to be measured against intent, you know? Um, uh, and that's why of, of programmers and, yeah, yeah exactly because that's why that that's why um there could be wrongful death or there could be murder yeah right? exactly like we we exactly. look into that as, as human beings that's important to us it's exactly like whether the person died because it, that there was a calculated effort to kill the person or if it was just an accident that, exactly where there was some sort of negligence or something like that yeah yeah okay so this question has to do with um the fact that right now all those uh clients that you mentioned they're they're huge clients right yeah, so right. dod is like the largest organization on earth i think possibly like one of the one of the largest um yeah i mean depending <laughs> how depending on how you measure it sure right yeah, yeah. i mean definitely one of the largest budgets of any yeah. um organization out there and um and you'd mentioned you know uh, transportation companies uh aviation companies right these, these are are very large entities mm -hmm. it, do you think that there is any point in the i don't know say next five to ten years where this kind of technology is going to be accessible to say like a small business owner yeah i mean it already is in right? what way well i mean so one we've got it on our phones to a certain okay. extent right we've got we've got ai on our phones but um there's i mean look at this point, I get hit up by vendors, I don't know, 50 <laughs> times a day, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And at least half of those vendors are selling some sort of software that has 
either machine learning as its foundation or as a component of that software. But it's, I guess it's a, it's a question of relative of like, you know, how big or small the company, right? But sure. if a company is big enough, uh, I'll say like use, under a hundred employees. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Salesforce, there's companies under a hundred employees that maybe use Salesforce or, uh-huh. you know, Salesforce has acquired a lot of, uh, AI technologies and, and, you know, put it into their, into their core, um, offerings. So, so yeah, it's, I mean, so it's already here is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's already here. I mean, and, and I think here's the thing is there's, we're at a point right now where it, you know, AI isn't this, this thing over there. Right. We're, we're living it right now. We are mm-hmm. experiencing it. Um, uh, most people are carrying it around in their pockets. Most people have some degree of it on, uh, on their computers. I mean, look, did you do, did you get the, do the Gmail update recently? Did it force yeah, you to do uh, the update? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So is it finishing your sentences now? Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it right there. I mean, you get it for free, right? right? I mean, you're yeah, now getting so. fed ads via your inbox, sure. but, but yeah, I mean, sure, that is get... the flip side to it, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's already there is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, um, but, but I mean, so, maybe your friend was asking more about like, can, can I get my hands on some, you know, predictive analytics or something? I think like, so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, some of that happens with the stuff that we have already. Sure. But I guess the thought behind the question was, was yeah, I mean, there are definitely huge scale advantages that you have when you have uh, that kind of computing power at your at your fingertips and you can, yeah. you can customize it to do whatever the heck it is that you want to do. So I think part of his concern was like, is this going to leave small businesses in the, you know, way behind in, in the dust. No, I don't think so. And I think that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of innovation is coming from startups and small businesses. And, um, so we, you know, our endpoint protection, our endpoint, our deep armor, we sell that to small businesses. That's a, you know, we're competitive with other endpoint security products. So, yeah. um, small business, there's some small businesses who, who use that product already. Um, so, you know, there are absolutely uh, products within our suite, uh, within our, our, our tech stack that, that small businesses not only can use, but are using. Um, and look, as, as economies of scale uh, happen, a lot more of the, of the tech stack will be available to, uh, you know, a lot of different sized companies. Yeah. All right. I have a, one final question. Okay. Um, as someone who is immersed in AI uh, in the industry, what do you what do you think uh, AI reveals about human intelligence that is that makes it unique? I think the easy answer is the limitations on human intelligence, and not well. Let me rephrase that: not limitation on human intelligence, but human compute power. Yeah. Right, like the. We only have so much that we can process, think about. Um, I mean, at a certain point, we got to go to sleep. We got, we have <laughs> yeah. to eat. Our brain, our brain uses the majority of the energy that we, you know, feed our bodies. Right. So, um, we're obviously limited in what we can compute within our own heads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Um, and the fact that we have access to artificial intelligence augments that capacity, right? Yeah. Like we can focus on sleeping and eating and all the other things we got to do as human beings um, because uh, because the, the AI is doing it for us, right? So the AI can, can do that because well, it doesn't creative, have to worry. More creative tasks, right? Yeah. On, on things like, you know, tying... Um, uh, tying together different ideas that are from different disciplines or whatever, you know I mean? I yeah. think that, um, we, there's, there's this opportunity to really partner yeah. with artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, yeah. So you see it as a partnership. It's not a replacement thing. It's not a, it's not a, no, I mean, you know, uh, it's not a evil th- robot overlord. No, thing. I mean, look, <laughs> you're not, I don't think at any point in, grade school or high school or college you were mad at your at your um 
calculator for making, you know, long division or, <laughs> right. or calculus, um, a little less time intensive. Right. right. But, uh, but that was your partner. That's how you got through, you know, through math class. Um, right. I, I have a pretty optimistic view on, yeah. on, you know, the, uh, opportunities and, and what, what we can do with artificial intelligence. I, I really do think that, um, I really do think, you know, we're, when used in the, in the right way, it's going to be probably the biggest up until this point, a shift in, in human history. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, again, Amir talks about this a lot, but we saw a tape, we got a taste of it with the industrial revolution where right. we, where we replicated human muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're replicating at least aspects of human mind. And, uh, that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I was feeling in that, in that last question that maybe you want to talk a little bit more about the possibilities. Um, so, uh, tell us, John, what, as, as a final, final thought, okay. <laughs> Final, 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 final thought. Um, what, what, what makes you most hopeful about the potentials of AI? The human aspect. I mean, it's not a matter of what makes me hopeful about AI. It's what makes me hopeful about human beings. If the universe is expanding and we're part of the universe, then we are, you know, um, expanding ourselves. And I think that while it sometimes seems and feels like we're devolving and not evolving, um, I think those are short chapters in a much longer narrative. Uh, but my personal belief is that we are here to expand as human beings and to grow and to learn and to evolve. And we, we have been given this incredible gift of creation and we are creating tools that are going to that have the potential to accelerate that evolution i mean that's pretty amazing right you know that yeah animals cannot accelerate their evolution Mm -hmm. we typically either decelerate or accelerate (laughs) in a lab or whatever but that's us that's human beings right yeah yeah um but we are building tools and technologies and it's not just it is ai but it's not just ai i mean there's you know DNA technologies, human. I mean, there's so many things that are that are happening now, and they're all feeding into each other too. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Like so much of that is using artificial intelligence. There's all too. that synergy that we haven't Ex- even seen the beginning of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we are building the tools to accelerate our own evolution, the human, the 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 evolution of of humankind. I think that's pretty incredible. And uh, that's the narrative that I choose to believe, not the narrative of, you know, AI is going to take over the world or technology (laughs) is going to kill us. My belief, my hope, and, and and the story that I choose is that, you know, we have been endowed with this innate ability to create this desire to create and we we're creating the tools and technologies that are accelerating our own evolution evolution either goes forward or up it doesn't go backwards right and while again while it can seem at times that uh we're devolving and especially if you watch the news a lot sure you know but those are all just I think those are short chapters that are opening our eyes, that are informing us, that are, um, you know, you've got to be, you know, you wouldn't be who you were if you didn't have a shadow. We all have a dark side, you know, and we have to reconcile with, with the darkness that's, that's innate within us. And that's okay. You know, um, but maybe AI can help us do that, uh, in a more truthful, honest and, and, hopefully more accelerated way. Let's get through the, the hard stuff faster, right? Sure. Let's get on to the good stuff. So that's the, that's the narrative that I choose to, to follow and, and that, that uh, I choose to believe in. Wonderful. Thank you. I think we'll end on that note. Thank you so much for your time Thank coming you in. Thank you so much. It's fun. Really appreciate yeah. this talk. It was a really fun talk. 
I think we went to a lot of a lot of good interesting places and hopefully uh the listeners have uh learned a bit about AI. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, John. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this trip through the shadow of the valley. If you'd like to learn more about Spark Cognition, please visit sparkcognition.com, timemachine.ai, or learn.sparkcognition.com slash cognitive times. Our theme music was generously provided by Bly, spelled B-I-E-L-E. You can find her on SoundCloud and at https colon slash slash S-A-R-A-H-B-L-Y dot com. Additional music was provided by Michael Garfield, host of the Future Fossils podcast. You can also find him on Patreon and Bandcamp. That'll do it for this episode. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Share it with any friends or family you may think will enjoy these interviews. I've been your host, Tal Leeds, saying, keep going.